Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Reverend Paul John Roach. So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Show Network, I should say. I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas. And today we're going to discuss a book of essays exploring the great Japanese novelist Suzaku Endo's final novel, which is called Deep River. And the book, entitled Navigating Deep River, is edited by Texas Christian University professors Mark W. Dennis and Darren J.N. Middleton. Uh, Mark is a professor of religion at TCU, where he teaches courses in Buddhism, Taoism, Confucianism, religion and violence, and world religious traditions. Uh, He's lived in Japan and India for eight years and traveled widely in Asia. He's translated um, and published Japanese Buddhist texts and co-edited with Darren a previous collection looking at the Endo novel Silence, which was recently made into a movie. We might be familiar with that. And they were on my show talking about that book of essays, too. Uh, Darren Middleton is the John F. Weatherly Professor of Literature and Theology at TCU and also directs TCU's Master of Liberal Arts program. It's originally from the UK and has uh, edited and authored over 10 books on subjects from Rastafarianism uh, to the novelist George Eliot, amongst others. So it's a joy to welcome Mark and Darren back to the, to the show. Welcome. Glad you're with us. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. It's good to be with you. I tell you what, guys, it's an intense and powerful novel, right? And it's uh, Shizaku Endo's last book, so it encapsulates much of his of his thinking. I was crying for a lot of it. I don't want to put people off, you know. Oh, I don't want to make, read a book that's going to make me cry all the way through. But it's so intense and so uh, poignant, I think, that you cannot help but uh, be viscerally involved with it, you know. And the opening chapter, which deals with the, the death of one of the protagonist's um, wife, uh, is, is so true to form for me because having lost uh, my my first wife to, to cancer, um, it, it read so uh, authentically that it just brought back memories that I thought I'd... Um, you know, placed uh, in another in in a certain area of my life, uh, that came rushing back to me. So that's that's a characteristic of of somebody who really has a skill in in both plot and character development, and and the ability to just be totally 
authentic, right? And this book is is really the story of what five main characters, right? And and their eventual journey to India. So um, let's just kick it off with that. It's it's um, it's their response to trauma and suffering in their lives, right? Yes, absolutely. It's uh it's a really fascinating novel I think because it's um it's a kind of a quest narrative, it's a pilgrimage novel and uh, that's certainly what drew me to to Deep River. Um my wife first put me onto it in um I would say the mid 1990s, not long actually after Shisaka Endo uh passed away and she knew that I was interested in uh, some European novelists who were exploring similar kind of themes, and so she put me on to Shisaka Endo uh, as someone who's really exploring issues of faith and doubt and suffering and uh, that big word theodicy, how you, how you square the pain and the evil and the suffering in the world with the goodness of God, if you believe in the goodness of God. Um, and um, I certainly was not disappointed. You're absolutely right as you turn every single page in this wonderful novel and find yourself taking a really deep dive into all five characters. You learn a great deal about their individual stories, what draws them like iron filings to the magnet that is India. They've all got different reasons for being there, but uh, there's a sense of longing and a sense of loss that um, characterizes each and every one of them. Right, and just for yeah. our, our listeners, let me just sketch the characters. The the first uh, case, and, and they're often called the case of, um, and we discuss the, the various characters. It's almost like a psychological study, psycho-spiritual uh, study of these folks. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce the Japanese correctly, but uh, Izobe is the... Um, the first character, who's as we said, has lost his wife. He's a, a salaryman. He's never really had an intimate relationship with his wife. He's sort of taken her for granted a little bit, and it's a shock that she's she's dying. Um, and when as she reaches the the end of her life, she says, "You know, find me. I'm going to be reincarnated." And uh, so that impels him on, on a journey to to find her again. Uh, Kaguchi is. Um, Someone who's been uh, involved in the um, in the in the Second World War on the Burma Road, there the retreat from uh, through Burma uh, when the tables were turned on the Japanese at the end of the war, and and they were in desperate plight. And so his story is the the trauma of that journey. Um, Numada is an interesting character, isn't he? He's the one that writes um, children's stories. Um, and uh, again, it has has some traumas, physical traumas, but um, has a direct connection with animals in his case. And then the, perhaps the central character, that's the, the one that interweaves most with with the other characters, is uh, Mutsuko, uh, who is the um, the cruel woman, you could say, the the woman who feels no love, um, and represents something of the the you know a, a beautiful but. Uh, fragile person in, in search of some kind of, of authenticity and meaning in her life. And, and then Otsu, um, who, who is the sort of Christ-like figure, the bumbling fool figure um, that she has an affair with and, and then dumps kind of thing um, because she only has an affair with him so she can rock his, uh, his Christian viewpoint. And uh, 
but he, he ends up going to, to France, as she does, um, and then to uh, India. And, and so there's that interweaving of the characters, right? And then there's a couple of other side characters that are quite important, but not quite as central. Inami, who is the, uh, the tour guide when they get to India, and then Sandio, who, Sandio, who represents um, it's just pure materialism and uh, superficiality. And, and this is something that I think uh, Endo just dislikes, right? Because he wants to go deep with everything, hence the title, you know, Deep River. It has numerous meanings, doesn't it? Do we want to talk about that, the various uh, threads of what Deep River could mean for us? Sure, Paul. Um, so, as, as, as you mentioned, I mean, Deep River is the title, and uh, it's a reference uh, to the Ganges River. And uh, the Ganges, or Ganga, is uh, a, um, a religious uh, pilgrimage site for many Indians, particularly for Hindus, but many, uh, many of their uh, co-religionists go to um, uh, the Ganges. And uh, there's the belief, uh, especially among Hindus, that uh, when somebody's preparing to die, to die in Varanasi, the city, um, uh, near the Ganga is is something that's particularly auspicious and uh, kind of one of the interesting elements of of these characters is um, you know they have different kind of religious and spiritual views and each as I think you and both Darren have said they have their own kind of pain uh, but many many of the many of the pilgrims who go are, are coming from Japan and are interested in Buddhism. Uh, and uh, uh, several of them are surprised when they get to India and see that Buddhism. I mean, there are, you know there are sites associated with the with the Buddha, enlightenment, death, etc. But but uh, Buddhism is not thriving in in the land of its birth, and so that's that's kind of a surprising element to it. But the, as you said, Paul, uh, the deep river, the Ganges, has it has many different uh, uh, meanings, and it's. It's really kind of a rich metaphor, and that's one of the things that I talk about in my own essays, kind of the metaphors that permeate the novel through a lens of a Buddhist thought. Right, and um, Endo is interested in in several religions, isn't he? Particularly, of course, Catholicism. He was a, a Catholic, but his Catholicism seems to be, you know, a small c Catholic understanding rather than, uh, you know, the the regular scholastic uh, dogmatisms maybe of, of the traditional church, right? And so um, the, his, um, his character, Otsu, in some ways re represents Endo, it seems. You know, he, he has a, a view that um, it, it is heretical, right, to, to the more um, rigidly um, doctrinal Catholics. And, and he studies in uh, Lyon in France and, and doesn't do very well, you know, because his... He is a, he's accused of being a pantheist, but uh, as you mentioned, Darren, in your essay on the process panentheism, he's not so much a pantheist as a panentheist, right? The God, the God is involved in, or we are involved in, in everything of God. That um, How do you phrase it in, in the book? You have a wonderful uh, phrase to, des to describe process panentheism. Right, that the, the God, in a sense, is the circumambient matrix in which all created realities uh, have their 
becoming, which is a, a bit of a mouthful, but it's a way of, of sort of suggesting that um, a fruitful way of, of thinking about God um, in light of the modern world that we live in is to think of God as somehow enveloping the world. Um, not not a separate being, one more being, uh, as it were, in the room along with all the other beings that we're aware of, only bigger and greater and better, but rather the, the kind of um, uh, um, the, the all-embracing, omnibenevolent, uh, omnipresent uh, presence or reality that undergirds everything, uh, not a being but the very ground of being itself. Um, right. But if if I may, just just to go back to the deep river uh, thing, uh, you know, Mark Mark touches on the the kind of uh, the the, the Ganges uh, dimension uh, to the deep river. There's also, um, since you Paul mentioned the fact that Endo was interested in a variety of religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, and then there's the Catholic Christianity that you referenced. Um, the 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 title for deep river, of course, sort of is is a reference to the African American spiritual hymn um, which uh, the original English lyrics for which are incorporated as part of an epigram to uh, to the novel itself and and uh, if I may let me just quote those uh, deep river my home is over Jordan deep river Lord I want to cross over into campground there is a sense in which um, um, you know, India, Deep River, the idea of immortality, what happens to us after we die, how do we deal with evil and suffering and pain, what is this veil of tears that we are a part of, what's it all about? That, in some ways, those those cluster of questions are really what Endo, I think, is wrestling with. And, and so the the reference to the Deep River Captures something of, of of India, but it also captures something interestingly enough for a Japanese Roman Catholic novelist, something of the African American experience as well. Right, and that idea uh, is a very poignant uh, uh, old hymn, isn't it? Uh, old song, mm. you know, the yeah. idea of the safety of campground, right? The the community right. of it, the the sense that I I'm no longer striving and struggling. I I've come to some sense of peace and. And each of the characters, you know, is searching for that, right? Hoping for some level of, of peace in all their different ways. And I think that what appeals to me, uh, you know, or any reader is that there's no one answer here. You know, each each of those characters finds a, a certain peace in the, in their own particular way. And, you know, some are more hard cases than others. You know, uh, Mitsuko uh, is... Uh, is, is a very difficult case because, you know, she is very bright and intelligent, but, but also, um, you know, it doesn't have, has less faith, it seems, than, than many of the other characters. And yet at the end of the book, she, she also has um, some kind of awakening, some kind of epiphany, though we're not quite sure exactly what that entails, but at least she's, she's yearning for something more. Right. And uh, so it's, it's comforting. I think the fact that, um, you know, we're offered a variety of, of ways to arrive at campground, if you like, and um, and all enshrined in in this intense experience, right in in Varanasi, which we'll talk more about in the in the second segment. Um, but I found the phrase that I like from your essay, and and mm -hmm. um, it's process panentheism, which is a big big glop of uh, words, isn't it? But uh, but you you describe it as the participating of everything in God, and I, and I just like the phraseology there. Um, 
you know, sometimes I, I think of panentheism as God is in everything, but I like the idea of the, the process aspect, the, the participating of everything in God. So, so we are uh, part and parcel of, of it all. And there's uh, the afterword. I, I really liked um, the final uh, writing in the book um, talked about shallow and deep experiences, right? That when we travel, yeah. for instance, uh, we're looking for deep experiences. We, we want uh, to go to exotic places and be awoken to something wonderful. Unless, of course, we're just traveling in a cruise ship and we want to have a party all the time. But if we're, if we're you know, intent upon uh, traveling for education, we, we want to have a meaningful time. And, and yet he says that doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes you feel shallow. And he had a, a shallow moment at the Taj Mahal where... You know, the, the, the fun of the travel had worn off and now he was just numb to everything. Um, but the, the point being is that when you look back at a, shallow, a supposedly shallow experience, you notice there was actually something going on there, too. And, and it, it doesn't always go deep immediately. Right. Sometimes um, an epiphany will kick in. Uh, it's sort of a, a, a post-dated epiphany almost, you know, that we we feel, uh, oh, yeah, something was going on, even though I didn't feel it at the time, even though I felt I was in a shallow moment. And I feel these characters experience that, you know, everything that happens to them, they may not understand it uh, as it as it happens. But as when they reach a final conclusion or, or a tentative conclusion or whatever, they they notice, oh, everything was somehow organized for this right then mm -hmm. there's that thread running the, through the book as well this this idea that um, there, there is uh, free will and yet it, there seems to be something that's determined as well right there is a sense in which they uh, each and every one of those characters is a um, shares in or participates in that in that great story of pain and suffering from the Western religious tradition, and that would be uh, the Book of Job, which is part of the reason why um, Endo's main translator, Van Gessel, recently retired uh, from uh, Brigham Young University. Um, he translated Deep River, and he has a chapter in our volume on um, Deep River as a kind of Book of Job. There is a sense in which each character is is on a similar quest for meaning or a search for significance in face of all of the suffering and the pain that they have to endure. Unlike Job, of course, who gets an answer, um, albeit a rather testy one, at the end of the book of Job, when God speaks through a, a whirlwind, um, the characters here you're quite right, they don't get a voice from God. They get a kind of a tentative conclusion or an ambiguous uh, sense of closure to to their narrative, and, and we as readers likewise, I think. Whoops. I think I lost, we lost Darren. I'm... I'm here, Paul. All right. He was doing good, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he was. So let me just uh, take it, take <laughs> I think, it up, You know, we're talking and... about tentative conclusions, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I, I agree with that because there's no easy answer. There's no final answer to, to in, 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 the, in the book. But, but on the other hand, it is life-affirming, I think. Well, until the end, there's a sort of a downer right at the end. We'll talk about that. 
but uh, yeah. in general, everybody does receive some kind of epiphany, right? That uh, there is some peace. You know, the Kaguchi character uh, who, who wanted to do a pure land meditation on the on the Ganges um, right. gets to do that for for the the fallen soldiers and and especially his friend who drank himself to death because he he'd, uh, indulged in cannibalism because he was in such dire circumstances, couldn't forgive himself and and drunk himself to death. But Kaguchi finds that peace, I think, at the, ri the river there. Um, it's all beat, uh, you know, although he doesn't find his um, his dead wife, right, reincarnated, he, he comes to some kind of terms with it, you know, that maybe there's not a need to do that, you know, that, that life itself is okay. Um, Nimada, you know, finds uh, peace in releasing a minor bird, right? And there's a story about... Um, a minor bird that he had died, and he felt like that the, the the bird had died um, in, in 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 to replace his own death because he was very ill at the time, and so he wanted to free a minor bird in the jungles of India. So he has his peace, um, and even though Otsu is you know a broken character in many regards, as well represents the suffering servant Jesus, you know he finds peace, doesn't he? In in lifting up the dead and dying in, in Varanasi and, and, and taking them down to the burning ghats. So he, he pours yeah. his life out. Um, he empties himself, if you like, to, to find peace. So, so each of them uh, find a certain kind of resolution, yeah? I would, Paul, I would, I would agree. And uh, yes, and even Mitsuko, um, the, the character you mentioned who's, who's um, you know, seduces Otsu. At the end, she immerses herself in the river, and so she's she's found something she's particularly attracted to. Um, you may remember a, a scene where Enami, the tour, the Japanese tour guide, takes them down uh, to see the uh, the, the goddesses uh, Chamunda and Kali are particularly important, and so Mitsuko finds that. Um, that that resonates with her, and then the character you mentioned, Kiguchi, who is the Japanese uh, soldier who's just haunted by uh, this experience, and um, you know it was called the Highway of Death. And as you explained, Paul, the Japanese army is it, it they, you know their fortunes are reversed, and they're fleeing back across the jungle, and many of them, many of them died, and there was um, and uh, one of his friends. Tsukada uh, eats what's quote-unquote lizard meat, which is cannibalism, uh, and he is the one who drinks himself to death. And and so he, got, he Kiguchi, the soldier, does find this kind of peace because his his intention on go, uh, in going on the uh, uh, tour was uh, to go to the deep river, the Ganges, and to intone the, the Pure Land Sutras, uh, like you said. And there's just so many other really interesting elements about these these characters. For example, uh, Numata's physical problems. A number of our essayists write about the ways in which um, Endo's own life and own struggles with illness, um, he, which he had throughout his life, uh, kind of permeate uh, this character and and in other in other characters too. Um, and then uh, Endo had spent time in, in, in China as, as a child, which is uh, similar to that story. And then um, a number of essay, essayists talk about Otsu, this, this figure that you mentioned, the, the failed Catholic uh, priest. And Darren 
writes about him and, and others do. And he's such a, just a compelling, moving figure. You described him as bumbling. He's always awkward. He, uh, but he's, he's such a moving figure. And, and he goes and he lives out uh, kind of his his understanding of what a Christ-like life is. And so he, what he does is he uh, joins the outcasts and carries uh, corpses, carries dead bodies to the deep river, to the Ganges, to what are called the burning ghats, so that they can be uh, cremated. And in India, within this, you know, within the caste, Hindu caste system, this kind of work is considered uh, it's it's a particular group, a particular caste that that works with uh, corpses because they're seen to be polluting. And he, you know, in emulation of Christ, this is how he he lives his life. And then at the end, and there's different interpretations of kind of what happens to him. Uh, but one of the interesting historical elements is this takes place during the backdrop of the assassination of Indira Gandhi. Um, and your listeners may remember her name. She was Prime Minister of India, and although sharing the name with Mahatma Gandhi, she was uh, she was not related in a close way. Uh, rather, her father was Jawaharlal Nehru, uh, the first uh, Prime Minister of post-independence India. But anyway, there's this famous incident. It's called um, Operation Blue Star, in which there's a standoff. Uh, in the city of Amritsar between uh, a group of Sikhs and uh, the Indian army. Uh, and uh, Indira Gandhi sends in, uh, it, it's, there's a lot of debate about what actually happens. But anyway, people start shooting. It's, it's, it's you know, in a way, it's kind of like what happened in Waco uh, with the Branch Davidians. Anyway, somebody starts shooting and, and lots of people get killed. And uh, not too long after that, uh, her Sikh bodyguards turn on her and assassinate her. And so the novel, uh, Deep River, takes place, um, or events towards the end are taking place against the backdrop of the assassination and the chaos that's going on. So it's really, I mean, because of the character development, what you said is so, so well done. Uh, but then this, you know, this historical element is really quite interesting, too. Absolutely, and it sort of fits in with a lot of the dissatisfactory nature of everything that's going on. You know, the the fact that there's violence and and turmoil everywhere, uh, which is you know writ, writ large with her assassination, but it's there in the character of Kaguchi. You know, with the with the war, and everybody's fighting a war within themselves as well. So, so that that idea of um, of, of violence of some kind of, of, of difficulty is is. Uh, very apparent in, in the whole um, in the whole book, folks. We're at the break. Um, I'm discussing the navigating Deep River a collection of essays about uh, Suzaku Endo's wonderful book Deep River. Um, we're going to take a break. Join us in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. All right, welcome back to today's show. Uh, there's an amazing book called Deep River 
by the Japanese novelist Endo that I thoroughly enjoyed. And I encourage you to read it too, folks, but because it delves into the nature of the human condition and the elements of suffering and yearning and uh, thwarted desires, and yet also the desire for uh, some kind of epiphany, some kind of uh, peace in the midst of all the difficulty. And of course, this is writ large right now in our society where we've got enough, a lot of turmoil going on, um, a lot, some violence, uh, very similar to the novel. And so it's very apropos, I think. I invite you to get it, get it and read it because it's, uh, it, it's, it's a very meaningful book. It's about 200 pages long. It doesn't take long to read, but it's, it's intense, like I say. So, you know, be, be uh, ready for an intense experience, but a very deep and meaningful experience too. And, uh, Professors uh, Mark and, and Darren have put together this uh, series of essays called Navigating Deep River, where they have uh, several um, uh, authors, uh, professors and others, who, who have put together uh, a, you know, a, a, a kaleidoscope of an, or an encyclopedic view of the book, uh, illuminating various aspects. And, and so that's quite interesting, too. Because um, there's a lot to it, there's a lot of ways to unpack it and and um, and see it uh, in in um, in a fascinating light. Uh, you know, I think the focal point, and I think some of the uh, the authors in the book would agree with me. The focal point of the book uh, happens in the dark, doesn't it? It happens in the deep inner sanctum of a temple, right? In in Varanasi, in in the holy city of the Hindus. Um, where the, the, the tour guide takes uh, some of the tourists, not all of them want to go, they're too freaked out by the heat, the dark, the intensity of the place, but takes many of the main protagonists down into this inner sanctum where we meet uh, the goddess Chamunda or Chamundi, um, which represents uh, the divine feminine in a, in a very interesting form, right? And Chamundi is quite common as a, a goddess in India, but it's the goddess that takes on the the suffering of the world. You know, she's bitten by scorpions and snakes. She's um, emaciated. I think that's what Jamundi means, the, the emaciated one. Um, and so a bit like the suffering servant, the Jesus image there, but it, but in a female form. And it's a very intense experience. And, and if you've ever seen images of Kali or... or um, Durga or, or, or Chamundi or Chamunda, uh, you'll agree that, you know, it's, it's, it's startling, right? Um, so let's talk about that. How, how do we see uh, the divine, the omnipresent, the beautiful God, you know, the, uh, how do we see that in a, in a form of emaciation? How does that work? Well, Paul, I would I would just uh, say, um, as I uh, mentioned in the uh, last segment, uh, Mitsuko uh, becomes quite interested in Chomunda and and in Kali. But there's an interesting scene that you might remember where Enami, the tour, the Japanese tour guide, who's really quite an interesting figure, and one of our essays essays writes quite about him, uh, quite a bit about him. But uh, he shows some slides, and you know, there's just this this really very wide, um, you know, a set of reactions to these images, which for many of the Japanese are 
are, are just very other or very different and some are scared by them. And, and so it is interesting when they go uh, and Anami invites them to go uh, to the temple that some some refuse to go. They're not interested. They're there for they you know Buddhism or like the Sanjos really are kind of self-absorbed. But others are, are really quite interested in uh, learning about uh, this part of uh, Indian religiosity and and this kind of goes back to what you were saying before, Paul, about the deep and the, and the shallow. And you see this in the kinds of interests that are expressed in um, in in the in the interest or lack thereof for the Hindu goddesses. Which and these are these are two particular forms that are really quite well known. And Chamunda, as you said, takes on. Uh, the the suffering of of the Indians and is really quite interesting figure. Yeah, and, and uh, you know we sh we shouldn't be too um, unfamiliar with it, I guess, because we ha we have the suffering Jesus, right? Especially in the Catholic tradition, you know, the bloody Jesus on the cross or whatever. That some people, especially Protestants, find a little offensive, but. When we understand it's it's an aspect of the divine, right? That, that, that if we are believe in this uh, panentheism, where we're part, where God is, uh, and we are participating equally in the wholeness of life, then you know God is equally in the suffering and the pain as in the joy and the laughter, right? So to have this, and I think that's what I love about Hinduism is that Hinduism embraces all aspects of what it means to be alive and. And sometimes that is not very pleasant, and and yet through the uh, sort of an apotheosis, through through the, um, the 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 willingness to to embrace this suffering, uh, there's there's transformation, right? There's power, um, uh, and and so it's sort of counterintuitive in a way, right? The uh, you know, give me your worst if you like, and I, I guess that's the, the the Jesus idea too, you know, that he was willing to to suffer uh, no matter what, right? To, to demonstrate the, um, the fact that there is, there's something more than, than just the, the, the suffering in life. There, there's a, there, there is a, a transformation that can occur, but it's not cheap grace, right? It's not, oh, well, let's just skip the sadness so we can get to Easter Sunday. You know, it's actually uh, breathing in the, the uh, like in a Tonglen uh, meditation where you breathe in the dark smoke of suffering, you know, and transform it into the light. But you have to breathe it in, right? You have to be part, it has to be part and parcel of, of you. Yeah, there, there's that um, willingness not to avoid. And I, I think that's part of the novel, too. None of these characters avoid, you know, they, they are willing, even, even though they struggle with that, they, they are willing to, to not only go to India, but to experience what India can bring to them. Yeah, I think this is very much a um a novel of embodiment and it's it's no coincidence to me that in in uh, in Hinduism and then in Christianity and in both religions you have religions of embodiment, religions of inc incarnation, um a sense in which whatever is sacred commingles with whatever is earthly or earthbound. And and that certainly shows up in um 
in the Catholic side of of this novel, and you know, um, Endo saw himself as a Japanese Roman Catholic novelist, and Catholicism always uh, appeared to have a hand at, at Endo's elbow. Um, and uh, several of the essayists in in our volume draw this out rather well. Um, Mark Bosco, who's a, a Jesuit priest, along with Christopher Wackel, actually. Uh, pick up on the the way in which Vatican II and some of the ideas there about uh, inclusivism and an openness towards um, non-Christian religions influence novelists like um, Shisako Endo. Um, Elizabeth Cameron Galbraith looks at the way in which uh, the great North American novelist and short story writer uh, Flannery O'Connor has things in common with Shusaka and uh, particularly this idea that all of life is awash with kinds of signs and wonders of God's grace. Um, you, you get to that idea that all of life is awash with the signs and wonders of God's grace if you start with the notion that the incarnation lies at the heart of Catholic Christianity, which of course it does. Um, from from the incarnation as a perpetual reality, you get the notion of sacramental realism, and from sacramental realism, you get the sense that all of life is a sacramental. Um, everything can open out and gesture towards the sacred. So there's there's something in whether whether it's pet birds or whether it's um, um, you know, uh, carrying um, uh, you know an untouchable on the back of you know a priest carrying an untouchable on the on his back towards the uh, the funeral ghats by the banks of the Ganges. Uh, whatever humdrum ordinary thing it is, uh, that can open out to something deeply, deeply uh, sacred and special. Um, and just one final word, really, about uh, the suffering servant. It's worth pointing out to your readers that Isaiah chapter 53, which is that famous job description for the Messiah, some might say, right? And 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 in some ways, a job description for everyone who might follow Jesus, if you see yourself as a Christian. That, that, very famous sacred text from Second Isaiah, Isaiah 53, the Song of the Suffering Servant, is the golden thread that runs throughout this particular novel. It's 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 what ultimately inspires Otsu to do what he does, and it I think it's actually what eventually causes the epiphany in in someone as seemingly hard-hearted as Mitsuko. You don't know. No, I'm still here. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, that was me just finishing. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm right. here oh, too, sorry. Paul. I thought you were, yeah, um, yeah. I, and I, I liked, uh, and I can't remember whose essay it was, but um, she provided uh, three images of Christ, right? That runs through the book, and yeah, there's definitely that suffering servant idea, uh, which we wouldn't really resonate with too much in unity. We don't like to emphasize the suffering aspect though it's it's profound obviously it's, again we can't avoid it um but there's she also mentions the 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 companion uh, the the christ as companion which i think is in in the book too and and then the the christ as maternal presence right and and that they all sort of nest in each other it's not one is mutually exclusive but there's a, there's a number of moments. I mean, for instance, the animals, right? The the, the birds, the the minor bird and the hornbill uh, for uh, Nomada become um, his companions. Then they're more than just animal companions. They they represent some kind of image of God, I think, um, some representative of, of the divine. 
uh, order within things, right? And uh, he's fascinated with the with the forests of India because you know there's that sense of um, the, you know uh, being in harmony with nature, if you like. Um, and and other characters uh, seek out companionships too. I think Otsu is you know has companionship with the with the sadhus, right? With with the uh, the untouchables who who are. Uh, that he's he's fallen in with in in Varanasi and and finds a sense of uh, connected with they accept him right in a way that the Catholic priests and the the hierarchy of the Catholic Church has never fully accepted him. Um, Mits, Mitsuko, uh, how do you say it? Mitsuko, um, yeah, is, Mitsuko. Is, um, you know is the one that rejected him so harshly and yet she seems compelled to stay in touch with him right she's she visits him when he was in uh, Lyon in France um she comes now to visit him again in Varanasi um it, even though she she is cruel to him um she's in some sense a companion you know on their journey of life and and this is interesting too it's almost as if he is compelling her, you know. Um, he, even though she was, her joy is in rejection. She feels strangely um, connected, and I think that's that's another sort of one of the conundrums that runs through the book. You know, there's no there's no easy answers here, and yet it's it's very very profound. Those those companionship connections. Um, the only ones that don't seem to have any connection are the you know, the couple. The newly married Sanjio and his wife, who who seem to be the a, a, the blatant um, new nouveau riche, you know, all he wants to do is take photos and become famous, right? And um, mm. that that's that seems the shallowest of the characters in the book. Yeah, I think it's interesting the way Sanjo uh, to, at, at the end, um, in some ways, uh, Otsu steps in and kind of saves Sanjo in a way that there's a way in which Sanjo is just this decidedly narcissistic character who is driven by his. The, the only thing that matters to him is his own ego drama. Um, and I think Otsu is actually living a different kind of story. He's living a theodrama, right? Just to use some terms that were um, popularized by the, the Swiss Roman Catholic theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar. Balthasar said what the gospel, the Christian gospel, inspires in people, hopefully, is a, is a, is a metanoia, literally a kind of moving or going beyond the mind that you have, where you leave your ego drama behind and realize it's not just about you. Life is not simply uh, a stage on which there are heroes and villains, and, and the villains are basically defined by those who, um, uh, you know, do not enable you to shine. Life is not all about that. That's that's the ego drama. The theodrama is living out a story that God calls you into, uh, where you're where you're surrendering to something which is higher and more purposeful and more satisfying than simply becoming famous, taking photographs where he shouldn't be taking them. That's Sanjo. So I think in some ways Sanjo is a is a is a natural foil to Otsu, and that that comes out towards the end. He's a, he's a right. bit of a minor minor character and an annoying one too, but. But but the fact that we can see him in his self-involvedness, he's he's almost like um, 
uh, I don't know, he's, he's uh, uh, there's almost something Augustinian about him, whereas, you know, because Augustine defines sin as curvatus in se, a kind of curving in on oneself. Now, the opposite of curving in on oneself is actually to have a more expansive view of the world, a more generous understanding of other people. And that's Otsu, it seems to me. So So Sanjo is an interesting character, but a knowing one. Right, <laughs> I don't know right. if Mark has anything to offer there. But... <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he is very annoying. And he's, he's there, it's a couple, but it's really him. Uh, he is self-absorbed, he's shallow. Uh, and his all his actions, you know, trying to uh, the what he does is you're not supposed to be taking photographs, you know, at the burning ghats, and he does this. And Otsu, as as I think Darren said, uh, steps in and this precipitates uh, a mob uh, attack. And so uh, we don't know what happens with Otsu. It's a little ambiguous at, at the end, but. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Sanjo is 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 really uh, kind of an irritating figure, and he, especially in Nami, um, I met, I mentioned in the first half uh, that uh, one of our essays writes uh, about Enami uh, as someone who has become you know deeply kind of conversant and uh, empathetic towards uh, India more broadly, but to Hindu traditions and. Sanjo is 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 precisely the opposite. He just he has no interest in what's going on other than uh, getting a fo- getting photos that will make him famous. So yeah, but he's right. an interesting character. Yeah, and like you said, you know, um, Otsu stands Otsu stands in place of Sanjo, right? Gets in the way so that the Hindus, in their anger, you know, end up beating him up and so devastatingly, right? That it looks like he's going to die, and we—it's left open at the end, but it's kind of a devastating end because it says, uh, "Was Mitsuko Mitsuko um, uh, calls?" I think the hospital from Calcutta because they're about to fly home to Japan, and she calls to find out about him, and the news comes through that he'd taken a, a turn for the worst. So we we can see what you know that we're left to dangling on that one, but I, you get the distinct feeling that he's probably going to gonna die um and so it's not it's not it's not a happy ending uh but but on the other hand maybe he doesn't you know it's uh it's it's left to uh to our imaginations maybe he'll pull through for another day because he's definitely uh what you might call a survivor but you know you uh darren you sort of led towards the third image didn't you and what you said of, of the christ the the maternal mm-hmm. presence right and uh that fits in with the chamunda image as well it fits in with the the river, right? The deep river, which is welcoming to all, right? Um, and uh, each of them has a uh, a relationship with that river. And of course, Mitsuko, uh yeah, has uh, desires to immerse herself in the river, and that that's kind of a dramatic moment because this woman who seems so cold, she puts on a new uh, sorry to do so and, and, and bathes in the river, you think, my goodness, that, that is a huge step for her to to expand in, into that um, understanding of, of the flow of humanity. You know, she's becoming part of humanity rather than an observer manipulating the world, you know, to, to her own ends. So that, to me, that was a redemptive moment for that character. 
Yeah, I think that's that's her metanoia. That's where she goes beyond the mind that she has uh, up until that particular point. Uh, and it's it's her observation in terms of um, you know what she sees in India, what she experiences in India, but also the, the her encounters with Otsu. She she watches him. Uh, trying to live canonically, as it were, trying to you know embody that Philippians two passage about uh, emptying yourself of of your own ego and becoming um, you know as as Bob Dylan would say, you got to serve somebody, right? So so he he Otsu decides to serve those who are marginalized and voiceless, those who who um, don't have uh, anyone to speak for them and. And, and you know, in that sense, then Otsu becomes a kind of alter Christus, an alternative Christ. He becomes what the priest is supposed to be. We we call him a failed seminarian, but he, in many ways, is never more priestly than when he's actually doing what he's doing, which inspires the metanoia in Mitsuko. I don't know if Mark Mark wants to add anything there. Yeah, the only uh, thing I was thinking of, uh, Paul, was uh, you had mentioned, you know, the the different elements, and and one that's really interesting came out in our first book on silence too uh, was the kind of the maternal face of Christ that really resonates with uh, many many Japanese, and that's an element that's kind of as as you know it it is interwoven into into the narrative, and I think. Uh, we've mentioned Van Gessel, our good friend, uh, who's really helped us a lot. Uh, and he, and, and Darren, maybe you remember this, but uh, he talks about Otsu as, he has a specific phrase, uh, and I, I can't remember if this was specifically in his essay or if it was uh, in, an, in another, uh, something else he'd written, but he, he finds Otsu to be one of Endo's most compelling uh, characters and uh, Darren, do you remember? Does that ring a bell with you or not? So, certainly. I mean, I think uh, Van uh, takes great pains to sort of uh, describe uh, Deep River as, as Endo's Book of Job and 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 has this compare and contrast with Job and with Otsu. I think he's one of the certainly one of the richest of all of the Endo characters that are out there, and there's quite a few of those. Yeah, and of course, um, yeah. Endo himself, as we mentioned earlier, suffered greatly in his life, right? He had numerous um, mm-hmm. long-term illnesses and whatnot, and, uh, and so he was working out a lot of that through some of these characters. So you get these autobiographical elements uh, involved as well, but never so much that you, you know, it becomes a formulaic book, uh, sort of an allegory. It, it's much richer than that, and he allows his characters to to breathe and, and to come to their own um, understanding. And I think that's what's what's meaningful about the book. There's also little cameos and little moments that are in the book that we haven't mentioned that add to the luster of it too. Um, and uh, that that's, I enjoyed that aspect of it. It's not just, um, you know, we're careering along trying to come to terms with all these characters. There's there's lots of little side stories as, as well. And that, that that's fascinating. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in India, if you're interested in uh, what the hell is going on in my life, if you're interested in <laughs> Japan, uh, this is a book that you've got to have uh, a, a lot of um, uh, enjoyment with. I think it's very meaningful. And these essays are just a delight uh, uh, to go in a little deeper. 
yes, they're framed in an academic format, but they're they're never too difficult to penetrate. At least they weren't for me. Uh, a lot of them are quite amusing and entertaining, and so it it makes a, a great read. Um, in the minute left, what else have we not covered that you'd like to cover, guys? I think I would just add that uh, um, Endo is famous for a, a variety of novels. Silence and Deep River were two that were very, very important and close to his heart. And when he died, um, the one of his final wishes was to be buried with copies of both novels in uh, in his casket, and that wish was fulfilled. Those are two fabulous novels that I would impress upon your listeners. Yeah, Absolutely. And I, well, I would. Yeah, I mean, I would echo that, and then. Also, um, Darren and I had hoped to go to a conference in uh, uh, in Japan uh, in the in the fall, but because you know because of travel restrictions and and other things, uh, it it turns out we're we're not going to uh, be able to go. But he and I have been you know working with friends for a number of years on on end of the two books, and we've given you know a lot of presentations, and so. Um, yeah, he's just a, a wonderful novelist. I hope this has piqued your interest, folks. Let me tell you about next week, and then we'll say goodbye to Darren and Mark. Next week, Judith Corvin Blackburn joins me, and she's good. we're going to discuss with her her book, Activating 5D Frequency, a guidebook for the journey into higher dimensions. There we go. Uh, so join me for that next week. Um, but right now, I want to thank Darren and Mark so much, and not only for being on the show today, but for producing this wonderful book of essays and, and for introducing me, actually, to Endo, because I hadn't uh, read him before, and I've thoroughly enjoyed doing so. And, and I tell as many people as I can to read the book, and my wife's going to read it next, I think. But thank you very much, always, for doing a wonderful work uh, and, and being great uh, guests on my show. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. And thanks for listening, folks, this voice of an awakening world. And let me know what you think. Uh, you can email me at pauljohnroach at yahoo.com. Go on my World Spirituality Facebook site as well. Uh, have a good week. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.